welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. It is Wednesday. My name is Brad Brown, and I'm super chuffed to share another incredible Ironman story with you today. And today I get to touch base and hang out with Zach Carr. Details of that interview coming up in a short while. This episode of the Cone Edge is proudly brought to you by Jack Rabbit. If you're looking for running shoes and other apparel, be sure to check out Jack Rabbit. They have uh, a whole bunch of speciality running stores uh, across the United States. They also have a very big uh, online footprint and uh, stock uh, pretty much anything and everything. So go check them out, okay? They're also giving away a pair of Hoka One One this week and uh, every week in the month of September. All you need to do if you'd like to enter to win uh, those pair of shoes is head over to jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona Edge. That's where you can get all the details and enter to win uh, that contest where you can get a chance uh, to win one of four pairs of Hoka One One running shoes and discover what it's like to run on the official shoe of the Ironman World Championships. That uh, URL to get to once again is uh, jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona Edge. You can also text the word jackrabbit to 44222 and I'll send you the details right away. That's jackrabbit, J-A-C-K-R-A-B-B-I-T to 44222 and I'll send you all the details. Today's Coach's Corner is brought to you by Doug Guthrie Personal Training. Doug has a passion for seeing people improve and succeed. A 14 times Ironman finisher, two of those on the Big Island, a USA T-Level 1 certified coach, head coach of the YMCA tri-team, Doug has the unique ability to meet athletes wherever they are in their journey. His motivation comes from helping athletes improve and meet their goals at any skill level. As a self-coach, two-times Kona qualifier and finisher, Doug's experience places him in the shoes of those training for their first sprint to those who need to know what has to be adjusted in their plan to get them to the next level in order to qualify for the World Championships. Discover more about Doug, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching and don't forget if you're a coach or if you have a coaching business and would like to get a plug on the podcast, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Well, we head to Wisconsin now to catch up with our next guest here on the Kona Edge, Zach Carr. Zach, welcome on to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Certainly. Thanks for having me. Zach, you're one of the lucky ones. You've got a, an Ironman in your backyard, so uh, you, you could do one every year. You don't even need to travel much. Uh, is it a blessing or is it a curse? It, it's a bit of both. It's a blessing. I can go on the course and I can train the actual course and figure out how to race it properly. But it's also a curse just because it, it is that, close and I feel I need to get up there more often than not to, to, to ride the course so it, it's a bit of both. Do you end up using that one as as you qualify for Kona is that is that the plan generally? This is I'm doing it in September and this will be my third time doing it I did it 2010 12 and 16 so okay. I, I try to get others to, to qualify but this one is just so convenient it's hard hard not to race it. How far is it from home do you get to sleep in your own bed the night before the race? I do. It's about just over a half hour. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. Zach, you were telling me before we started uh, recording this that uh, you've been around the sport of triathlon for close on a decade now, uh, just just under. How did you get involved in the sport? 
A little bit of a backstory. I was traveling a lot for work and, and put on quite a bit of weight, 70 pounds heavier than I am now. And I just I had a very unhealthy lifestyle, was a heavy smoker, didn't work out, ate a ton, and kind of just had that aha moment where I needed to make some lifestyle changes, needed to lose the weight. And my wife was training with a group of cyclists. I joined her on the training rides. Weight wasn't falling off as quickly as I had hoped, so I started to, to jog run, and the weight just started to melt off, and someone's like, hey, have you ever thought of doing a try? Just add a swim to it, and the rest is history. 70 pounds. That's and that's seven zero for, for people in Missouri. That's, that's one of the Jonas Brothers. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was a... My neighbors, when I, I started to lose the weight in the fall and the winter, and I came out in the spring, and my neighbors didn't even recognize who I was. <laughs> Isn't that a cool feeling? It is. Very cool feeling. What was the, I mean, you say working too much. Was it just poor lifestyle choices? And I think it happens to a lot of us where we, we go to college and we end up just, it's like the slow downward spiral. We let ourselves go. I mean, I'm putting my hand up because that was me. My story is almost exactly the same. And uh, before you know it, like you say, you're 70 pounds heavier than what you should be. And uh, it's time to take some drastic action. Is, is that pretty much yours? I mean, was it eating, drinking, smoking? What, what was the deal? It was all the above. It was going out late for dinners with clients and coworkers and then going back to the hotel and having desserts and not working out and smoking and drinking. It was just, it was a culmination of all of that. And just gradually over time, putting on the weight and you don't realize how much weight you're putting on. And until there was that, that aha moment where I, I grabbed my gut and just, just handful of, of guts and realized how much weight I had really put on. What, what was the turning point for you? Uh, can you, can you remember sort of where you actually thought to yourself, something's got to give? Uh, I Yeah, I remember it pretty vividly. I was in a hotel room in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was laying on the bed, and I, I don't know exactly what hit me, but like I said, I, I had put on a ton of weight, and it's just sitting there thinking about my young kids and what the future would be like if I continued down this road, and it was like a lightning bolt struck me. I needed to make some changes if I wanted to be around for them, and and just started to change my lifestyle and make choices that would that would help that one of them was to cut down on the travel traveling is very it's just difficult to to be healthy and travel you can do it if you're smart about it but at the time i i wasn't educated enough to know how to do it yeah and that's twofold because you you're missing out especially if you're active you you're missing out on your regular routine so you're not probably training as much as you should unless you've got the discipline to go to to the gym in a hotel or or, or find the local sort of ymca close to to where you're traveling and the second one is is the eating you're not eating at home you're eating in restaurants pretty much three meals a day and and that's not not ideal Right. I'm a CPA and accountant, so I, I'm still pretty busy and travel quite a bit between January and April. So I, I still, I'm, I've learned how to, to do it on the road. So the hotel usually does have treadmill and workout equipment. I usually bring my bike trainer with me and just hook my bike trainer up in the hotel room. And, and like you said, you just learn where you can go to eat and make sure I always have a, a bag full of food just in case there's not things around that are appropriate to eat and just, just more prepared. In case of an emergency, break the glass. It's one of those. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, tell me about growing up and, and Zach Carr as a kid. Were you, were you active as a youngster? 
No, I wasn't. I come from a pretty large family. I'm the oldest of nine kids. Uh, we, I played t-ball as a kid, and we were just you know active around the house and, and with each other. I'd go to the YMCA and play basketball occasionally, but really wasn't involved in any sports. Like I said, I had smoked for quite a while. I started in, in high school, and it carried on and really didn't have any athletic ability after I was a kid. I did play intramural sports in college just for fun, hang out with buddies, but that was pretty much the extent of it. And that first triathlon, uh, t- tell me about that experience. It must have been a bit of a bit of an eye-opener. Oh, definitely. Like I, I said, I kind of went into it just thinking I could – get through the swim like it'd be no problem and as soon as the gun went off I'm getting kicked and water in my face and (laughs) I started to do I quickly realized that it's not as easy as you you think it is but when you cross that finish line there's nothing like it and just the sense of accomplishment the camaraderie hanging out with people after the race it it was definitely something that was was hooked on. Was it love at first sight for you? I mean, obviously, I think we all have that experience in our first one, where there's times where you think to yourself, "What am I doing here?" Like, but but afterwards, like you say, that sense of achievement for you was it a case of you you'd almost felt like I'm home. This is what I want to be doing. It was, yeah, and like I think with all my workouts and with races, you have this love hate relationship, kind of like you're talking about. Where during the race, there's parts where you just hate it. And you're like, "Why am I doing this? This this sucks." And then when you're finished, you have this high and you love it and you want to come back for more and i was i was instantly hooked it, i think the what really hooked me was going to and spectating at ironman wisconsin and just the energy of the crowds and the athletes it it, it definitely draws you in was that was that the the turning point for you where spectating at, at an ironman event where you went you know what i want to do this like i've been i've been involved in the sport the shorter distances but this big one as crazy as it seems at the time this is this is what i want to do for sure and one of the guys that was part of the cycling group that my wife was a part of was doing an ironman and i had i had never heard of ironman before and he started naming off the distances and I just thought it was insane that there's there's no way that someone could possibly do this, let alone do it in a day. And it, it just seemed overwhelming. But I went and watched and saw people doing it. And just the, it was such a, an overwhelming challenge. It was something that I wanted to see if I could take on and do. It's so interesting you say that, Zach, because I think it doesn't matter what caliber of athlete you are. I mean... Everyone has those doubts in the build-up to their first one where you think to yourself, this is stupid. There's no ways I can physically do this in, in a day, like you say. But I said it to someone last night who we were talking about the, the mental side of it. And, and I always say to people, the nine man's not 226 miles. It's six inches, and it's the six inches between your ears. If you can master that, anyone can do an Ironman. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, uh, that was one of the things I learned when I, I first got a coach. I was in the sport for a couple of years before I decided to get a coach, but that was one thing that they really challenged me on is I would often get in my own head and get in my way where I would go into a workout and think there's no way I can hit these numbers that they're asking me to do because I did X the day before. But if you just put those blinders on and go out and and do the work, you, you surprise yourself. You realize you're capable of more than what you think as long as you don't get in your own way and overthink what you're doing. And it's also important, I'm sure you, you've had this experience too, is to focus on the now. 
Don't worry about what's coming in a month's time or six weeks or 12 weeks. Focus on the session you need to do today because if you take care of that session, next week will take care of itself. But if you're focusing too much on those and worrying that you're never going to get there, it's the sessions today that, that are the ones that, that aren't going to get you there if you don't do them. I had that same talk with myself last night when I had to get out <laughs> and run. I'm like, I have a run, you know, two-hour run tonight, three-hour bike tomorrow, the big weekend coming up. And if you think about it in totality, it's just overwhelming. But, I'm like, just get through the two hours tonight and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and hey, make this a, a good quality key session, and the rest will – you'll surprise yourself, and then the rest will just fall in line. Talk to me about the decision to to get a coach a few years in. You you had obviously sort of felt your way around the sport and figured things out for yourself, but where where did that decision come? What brought on that decision that you went, you know what, I want to get better at this, I need help? It was after I did uh, Ironman Wisconsin in 2010. I was, you know, a couple hours, an hour and a half away from qualifying for Kona and I didn't think it was a, a real possibility, but after a, a year off from Ironman, I I started to just become more confident in my abilities. But at the same time, I was getting injured a lot because I I didn't know how to structure training plans. I I would get injured and then I'd come back and then try to make up for lost time, and I just didn't have the consistency in the training. And I know I've. I hear that word quite a bit, consistency, and it really is key because if you're consistent, you're able to stay healthy. It's when you're when you're injured, you try to catch up, you get injured again, and it's just a vicious circle. So I, I was having troubles staying injury-free. Uh, I needed someone to, to challenge me, and I had a goal that I wanted to get to Kona. So kind of all those things together led me to, to get a coach. When did Kona first pop up on the radar? Was it was it after that first one? Where or, or, t- tell me about the, the thinking because I don't think anybody goes into their first Ironman thinking Kona's Kona's the deal. Uh, when did it first pop up for you? No, it was after, and I was training with some just uh, some buddies, and a couple of them had been to Hawaii, and they were talking about their times, and it really had never entered my mind that I could do it. But then just training with them, seeing what they were capable of doing, that I could kind of hang with them you know I would draft behind them but just it started to get the idea that maybe this is a possibility I went and started looking at researching times and data and what it would take to get to Kona and basically created a game plan this is these are the times I need if I in the next year if I want to get to a qualifying time and this is what it's going to take and I'm a pretty analytical person so I had the data all charted out and so this is what my goal is, and I'm going to go see if I can do it. As a, as a CPA, I'm sure you had spreadsheets. You must have had spreadsheets. Oh, I still have the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love it. My spreadsheets. <laughs> T- tell me, tell me about that first one. How it went from a from a performance perspective? Because I get asked that question a lot. People people listen to this podcast and they go, "I want to qualify for Kona," and then everyone's telling them that they debuted with a sub ten hour. What was what was yours? <laughs> Mine was eleven oh one. Uh, not quite under the 11 hours, but I really had no time goal. My goal was to go in and have fun and just enjoy the day. I was afraid that I would blow up. I didn't, it was my, I think it was probably my third triathlon. So I had no idea how to pace an Ironman or what it would feel like. And I was just 
just wanted to get through the day, just wanted to be a finisher and enjoy the day. And that's what I did. And I, I felt I was very controlled and steady the whole day and just really just had a great time. Can you remember it. Can you remember what your splits were? Uh, you're challenging me. I think it was an hour, roughly an hour five swim. I forget, 545 and four hour run, something like that. All right. Now, just, just for a rough idea, I mean, guys are always asking me, particularly on, on debut. And then from the, that decision to get a coach, how much did your training change? Obviously, it must have been a lot more structured. Did you, I mean, what were some of the major changes that you made from a training perspective with a coach? I would always get injured running. And so the biggest surprise and change for me was running more consistently and running more fre- frequently than I thought I should have. And it wasn't that it was, I'm going out and running 20 miles every day. It's just, you know, maybe a a few miles here, a few miles there, but then also varying the terrain and uh, surface. So I wasn't always on blacktop and just, just, it was really just learning how to, how to put it all together and, and create a consistent training environment. Zach, the onslaught to, to Kona qualification in, in that build-up, what, what were some of the things? I mean, you had obviously targeted a race. You knew the race you were going to. You sort of knew more or less the times you, you needed to do. What did, how did you approach it from a mental perspective to get yourself ready and in that, that frame of mind knowing that this is it? You, you're going to suffer and it's going to be a long time of suffering. But, uh, yeah, this too shall pass, as they say. How did you get your head right to, to, to get into that zone? That was really it, just being prepared to suffer. And that was my goal going into the race. So it wasn't, I've never not finished a race, but I really didn't care if I didn't finish a race. It was just be smart about what you're doing. You've put in the training, you know, just having confidence in what you've done and the preparation. Even now, just going into an Ironman, there's always doubts of have I done enough? Will it, will the results show up on race day? But just having, the confidence that what you've done will work and then just leaving it all out there. Not, not being crazy about it because it is a, a full Ironman in a long day, but, but still going out there and giving it your best shot. Yeah. The, the go until you blow strategy can work in an Olympic. It tends to not work. In, <laughs> it tends to not work no. in a full Ironman. I'm afraid. No, not, not at all. Zach, t- did you, did you qualify at first attempt? Was, was that the case for you? I did. Yep, it was it, it was kind of funny. The the goals I had put out there over a year before, I hit almost those times exactly. And so I I was yeah, I was I think I was seventeenth overall, including the pros and second in my age group and it was it was a great day. And and being from the area, my whole family was there and friends and it was it was one of the most memorable days. That's awesome. And then the the change, did you change anything in the build-up to Kona? Uh, was, I mean, from a preparation perspective, is there, did you do anything differently or did you pretty much, you know what, this worked for me in qualification, I'm going to do the same thing for, for Hawaii? Uh, I had changed coaches between uh, qualifying at Wisconsin and Kona. And so there was different strategies in the training. The actual volume of training was pretty consistent when I went into Kona, I was injured because I was trying to do, I had done age group nationals for the Olympic and then tried to, which was like a month and a half before Kona. So I was trying to do speed work 
and incorporate long runs and it just my body just didn't handle it very well so i went into kona injured uh, but the buildup was relatively the same other than the change in the running and the experience the first first experience of racing in in those world champs i mean for an amateur athlete that it, it must be pretty special it's amazing it it is easily my favorite race just one it's it's an extremely tough race so it, it, it's very challenging but you're among the best of the best and everywhere you go there's professionals that are that are hanging out and it's it everyone is there in Kona for the race it's just it's a very cool experience even if you're not racing it just to experience that energy it's it's, it's very neat if I say the word Kona what do you think of uh the finish line <laughs> i think of the heat and the wind first but but surely after is the finish line like there's nothing that compares to finishing that race and when you come up the finishing shoot it's a pretty steep ramp but behind it it's just it's a huge wall of cameras and and video cameras and you just you feel like you're on top of the world finishing that race for you, what, what's been your, your proudest moment in, in Ironman racing? What, what are you most proud of so far? Uh, my proudest moment was actually in a half Ironman. It was two years ago I did a local half Ironman, and it was my first ever win. And my it, like I said, it was relatively small, so there weren't a ton of people out there. But my wife and kids were out there. And just to see the expression on their face when I'm coming up this big hill with the lead bike on the run and, uh, and they have, they don't expect me to be there. And all of a sudden here I come in the lead and just, just to see the, the pride on their face, that was really cool. And then coming down the finishing shoot, having them there, just that pride and excitement is, it's something I'll never forget. It doesn't matter how many people are there, Zach, claim it. It's yours. You want it. Oh, I'm claiming it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Let's talk work, work-life balance. Uh, you're a professional. You said you're a CPA. You've got a family. You've got uh, kids. How do, you, how do you get the balance right of, of training enough that you can be competitive in these races, but also that things are in check at home and you, you're keeping things going at work, you've got bills to pay? How do, how do you get that balance right? A patient wife. <laughs> she, <laughs> it really comes down to her. I mean, we... We we plan out our weeks and ahead of time, and the kids obviously are involved in their own events like swimming and taekwondo, and we we try to make the kids' activities a priority. So we structure our training. She she's done Ironman a couple of times, and she she's training for marathons, and she's going to be doing the New York City Marathon here. So we we try to structure our training around the kids' events, but. Really, she's very patient and lets me go out for long rides and takes the kids to practices. And it, without her, I wouldn't be able to do it. But that being said, we try to, I'm always up early getting workouts in late at night. On weekends, I try to get the workouts in before the kids are up. So it, it's training uh, in times when the, the kids are have their downtime or around work hours too. What's the biggest life lesson that, that Iron Man has taught you? Uh, probably perseverance and also confidence that, uh, one, you can, you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to. You just 
put achievable goals out there and just if you do it, it the more you do it the more confident you become um yeah it's probably perseverance and confidence you mentioned you you're one of nine you're the eldest of nine siblings what what, is, what what does the family think of 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 your sort of transformation from where you were eight years ago to to now yeah I, they think i'm crazy for what i do <laughs> <laughs> do any do any of the others are any of the others into endurance sport no not at all no we just went we went camping as a family last weekend and i spent you know probably seven hours on saturday riding my bike around the countryside and they're sitting around the campfire and playing games and they just think i'm crazy for spending my time that way and they're they're probably right that's not, that's <laughs> not fun to spend your time but but yeah they, they think i'm crazy what's the left for you to achieve uh, i mean when when the time comes where you need to hang things up and no longer in the sport what do you what do you want to have done what what will you be happy to have achieved I'm happy with what I've achieved to date. The only there's only one thing on my my checklist of things that I would like to accomplish, and that's top five at Kona. I was close this last year, top eight, and really it came down to a lack of confidence. I had been injured the two previous times I did it. This is the first time I was really healthy going into the race, and so I didn't think I had the ability to compete with the top guys, but finishing top eight, realizing that I left, I wouldn't say a lot, but left something out on the, on, on the course mentally where I probably could have pushed more than I, I did. And so just having the confidence that I can come back and potentially finish top five, that would probably be the one goal that I would like to accomplish. What are you struggling with right now? What are you working on? Motivation. <laughs> it's hard when you've been doing this sport for a while just to – to go out for those, you know, six hour workouts and just to keep the motivation and the drive to, to keep going. And it, when you're out there, it's, it, you know, you're still, you still have to stay focused and there's a goal of the workout and it, it's hard to, to get up for those workouts time after time and to, to, to keep focused. So that's probably the biggest struggle. It's interesting you say that because I'm struggling with the same sort of thing. I, I, I'm not riding and I'm not swimming at the moment for that exact matter. Uh, I want to just get really consistent running and, and that's what I'm focusing on. And, and I'm really struggling to wrap my head around getting back on the bike and back in the water uh, in the build-up to, to, to my next Ironman. How do, you, how do you keep yourself going? Is it a case of drawing a line in the sand saying this is the goal and you know what, we've got to do it, otherwise we're going to suffer? Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's putting a race on the calendar like Ironman Wisconsin and saying this is what this is what the goal is and I know what it takes to get there. And the more the the faster I've become, the more work it takes to, to maintain that level, especially as I age, it doesn't get any easier. And so I I realize I need to, to hit the key sessions every week if I want to get out there and I, I guess that's probably the motivation is to just just keep at it because I know if I don't, it's going to be a suffer fest. Talk to me about the confidence thing. I, I find that fascinating because I, in, in what I do for a living, I chat to a lot of top-class sports men and women and not just in triathlon but across the board. And, and one thing I'm, I'm realizing, a lot of them, it's, it's not an ability thing. They're all good at what they do and it's the same thing, I guess, in, in Ironman triathlete. All the top age groupers are good. It's, it's 
what separates them i'm finding is their mental capacity to to whatever it is to to believe in themselves to suffer uh to push through when things are tough what are some of the things that you do to to work on that because i think we we train ourselves physically but a lot of us don't train ourselves mentally hard enough is it something that you work on a lot it is i I think the the bottom line is it's a fear of failure i don't I want to succeed in everything that I do. And that really, that drives me that, and not to get too deep, but that acceptance, you know, coming from a large family, it was hard to get acceptance. And so I found something that if I, if I train hard at it, I can gain that acceptance. And, and that really, that drives me. Um, lost my train of thought here, but, uh, so when I'm out doing a workout, I try to challenge myself to to push beyond what I think I can do. And a lot of that is, you know, like at the end of a long run, when I feel dead tired, is just to put myself in a spot where, you know, I'm on the race course, it's at the last 10K, and really try to make that last 10K my best. And it... I think a lot of it is training by yourself. I really enjoy training with groups because it makes the time go by. It's social, but but it's hard to really focus and push yourself when you're with a group, um, especially on a long, hard effort. And so I really try to focus on, uh, not say burying myself, but really pushing myself beyond what I think I can towards the end of a long workout. And that really that really helps build that that confidence that when it comes to race day, I know what it feels like. I've been there before. That's exactly what I was going to ask. I was going to ask: is it is it those sessions, the really tough ones in training, that that prepare you mentally for for when things do get dark? Because we we know they do get dark on race day, and 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 it's those tough sessions that that enable you to pull yourself out of those moments on race day. Yeah. And then on race day, I'm thinking about those times, you know, like there's a bridge that's four miles from my house and I'm like, all right, four miles, that's from here to here. I've done that a hundred times before, you know, it's, it, it's nothing new. I've been there before I can do it again. And visualization. Are you a big one on visualizing? Uh, yes. When it's getting tough, I like to visualize, uh, especially during training the night, the night or two before a race too, I'll visualize and really, basically play the race in my head and how it should go and you can't prepare for every variable but i think about you know what happens if i get a flat how am i gonna handle that and it's just fine when i come to race day i'm very calm and i i feel like i'm i've prepared as best as i can and and just take whatever i whatever comes brilliant well zach i look forward to talking about your swim your bike your run and your nutrition but we'll save that for for next time thanks for your time today here on the cone edge certainly thank you thank you very much to our guest zach carr for sharing his iron man story with us we'll catch up with zach again next week thursday to talk a little bit about his swim and how he's got better over time on that. Um, We're back again tomorrow where we'll be chatting some more swimming here on the Cone Edge. And don't forget that this episode of the Cone Edge was brought to you by Jack Rabbit to stand in line to win a pair of Hoka One One running shoes. 
We're giving away four in the month of September, one every single week. All you have to do is head over to jackrabbit.com forward slash Kona Edge or simply text the word jackrabbit to 44222. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge. Yeah.